Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Chris Rag and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're talking about the humbling of Prime Minister Theresa May. Okay, Chris. Tell us all about this humbling. Well, obviously, uh, Theresa May called a a general election ostensibly to increase her uh, mandate in Parliament. Uh, She had a majority of small double digits, and she uh, now has no majority at all. In fact, she um, is unable on her own to form a a government. And uh, what I found quite interesting, regardless of uh, my political outlook, uh, which doesn't necessarily view this as a, po- as a positive situation, um, but there was there's something particularly satisfying about um, political schadenfreude and seeing, uh, you know, great leaders brought brought low. And uh, particularly, and in Britain, we, we have a phrase called the Portillo moment, uh, which r- relates to a, a politician called Michael Portillo. Um, who was a very senior um, politician within the party who lost his seat and uh, it was covered live on television as the election result was announced and you got to watch his face and the turn of emotion on his face as he realised his political career was over and um, you know again regardless of what you thought of him as a politician there was, there was some there's something sweet and satisfying about uh, ob- observing a, a person Brought low. I mean, Schopenhauer said uh, that um, you know to savor Schadenfreude is is diabolic. Uh, to me, it's something very human about it, um, and uh, um, and I just think it's interesting why we like to see the mighty brought brought low. Yeah, it is. Uh, even though um, I mean, Michael Portillo is actually a very nice man. My dad went to school with Michael Portillo, uh, and uh, they always got on quite well. And he. Um, uh, but but there was something about his persona which made him just seem like a really ambitious sort of politician. He, he really came over as a kind of typical, you know, climbing the greasy pole, um, very classic conservative MP, you know, with the sharp suits and the slick back hair. That somehow made it just fantastically enjoyable to see him knocked out during the 1997 landslide. With by by um oh what was the chap's name I can't remember but he was uh, he was sort of some completely unheard of new yeah. Labour apparatchik um and um yeah I know it is and um well Chris was saying it's a human thing it is and it has a, a quite a strong uh, neurophysiological basis so I think uh, the, there is evidence so there's evidence about Schadenfreude and 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 um the uh it, it, actually being able to enact revenge on people which isn't necessarily quite the same thing but but seeing people punished uh if you if you don't like them if you consider that they're they've uh in some way wronged you uh is actually enjoyable it's it it causes your striatum to to be stimulated and that's the same area of your brain which deals with um finding nicotine and chocolate and cocaine enjoyable so it really does give you a genuine pleasure um see you know and and people in experiments which have been conducted um dominique de curvin ran some experiments where people got the chance to cooperate with one another by investing together so that let's say they're each given 10 pounds and they can invest them together you know if they both put five pounds in that'll be doubled but then one of the people got the chance to to uh, split the rewards 
So, you know, if it, let's say that they'd be each invested five pounds and that had doubled uh, so that they had 10 pounds, that gets doubled to 20 pounds. Now, if that guy doesn't, if that guy who's splitting the rewards doesn't split them fairly, then people will actually pay. They'll pay out of the money that they would have won in order to, to punish them, in order to reduce the reward that that other guy gets. People, and this is against a completely anonymous, you know, person in the game. It's so there's no doubt that people really genuinely get pleasure from um, from, you know, punishing people that they for some reason don't like. Now, I, I and I know in the political uh, in the political sphere, it's complicated again because um, because of sort of the in-group effect that that, you know, much as you might enjoy um, seeing, uh, you know, seeing someone you personally have animus against suffer. Um, when you have an in-group, it's it's just like the same effect but multiplied. So so people have a neuro- neurological response to things like their football team winning and the other team losing, um, and there there seem to be other things that affect it. So there has to be there has to be a, a perception of some kind of um, you know status uh, that the and and that that has to be you know that actually having a status sit pretty similar to your own increases the joy you get when you see someone brought down. Didn't Morrissey sing a song which was, you know, we hate it when our friends become famous. Um, yes, and and that's the and that's the point, I think, that it's that it's not even restricted to those that you that you don't like. There's something about seeing uh successful people suddenly suddenly humbled whether you whether you particularly like them or or dislike them that 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 i think appeals to something and and i i i wonder whether there's an element of we we like to see regression to the mean we like to see somebody who's been performing highly brought back closer to where where we are because uh you know we we like to imagine that we also could ascend Sent to their position, and the, the sort of, um, and then be brought down by someone else. Well, and then, and then be brought down by somebody else, but we, but we forget that conveniently. Um, but the the point is, you you sort of have this uh, um, sense that you know the the flip side of you being successful, usually in a in a status enshrined uh, system, is that those who are successful need to be brought brought down a few pegs in order to to free up a space for you to to move into so. i think chairman mao said if the nail sticks out it shall be hammered flat <laughs> which tells you a lot about chinese communism but well, uh, yeah. well that leads on to something i want to talk about but um but before we do that actually i mean let's because one of the things we're talking about here we mentioned the word schadenfreude right which is we've got to let's not misuse that term because that's sort of the feeling we get when a friend yeah um the the pleasure we get either when they are, are brought down um, or the displeasure we feel when they succeed, right? Yeah, well, so it means literally uh, joy at damage. So it's Freuder, j- joy rather than Freuder. Oh, is it? Friend, yes. I stand corrected. That's interesting. Um, but anyway, on to Nick's point where you were talking about Chairman Mao. One thing that interests me is, is do we see um, different levels of pleasure um, in different political systems um, when someone is brought low? Can someone talk to me about that? Uh, so, I, well, I suppose the the kind of corollary uh, for um, uh, for us is uh, when, well, two I would say. One is in the the American system, uh, the presidential system, where a president is impeached. I know there was a lot of, uh, or or at least removed from office, and uh, y- you know we see a lot of um, around the the time of uh, Nixon, a lot of his op- op- uh, opponents kind of crowing. Uh, in the aftermath of that event, the other is you know look at what happens when a long-standing dictator 
is removed from from office and the bloodletting that you very you know look at the fate of um, Muammar Gaddafi for example um, uh, you know and that that there's obviously a lot tied up in that which is to do with revenge rather than just purely seeing seeing somebody lose status publicly you know the, the, there's a lot around the history of that but but also i mean in a dictatorship the dictator really has all the power mm-hmm. so the fall is so, is that much greater and presumably the fun the joy you get the schadenfreude has to be bigger mm-hmm. the greater the fall and um mm-hmm. and, and you know so I, I and i think you know i i don't know see this there's this question about whether um whether it's i mean it is intrinsically fun we know that we know that schadenfreude has has a physiological basis so we we get we understand that but is that because uh we actually do gain when someone else lowers in status and and i think this is you know there's perhaps a couple of models and neither of which is totally satisfying but on one hand you might say well not really right i mean you know making someone else worse off on the other side of the world doesn't make us better off right we you know if we punish someone by taking away half their money we're not better off uh but the on the the old the flip side of that is actually well if if what we really care about is status which is our sort of relative position on the hierarchy then we genuinely do gain when people fall someone else's fall is our relative rise so i think you it's, know, it's, it's 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 interesting that um studies that have looked at the sort of potency of schadenfreude have shown that uh individuals with low esteem and often linked to low status uh, are more likely to experience Schadenfreude uh, in in such a, you know and that that sort of suggests that it is a status driven uh, driven experience. So yeah, and there's a flip side to this as well. So given the occupational hazards of being a dictator, which is that many of those stories ending end in a very public fall and you know horrible physical things done to you, is it still worth if you had the option? Um, you know, would you still want to be a dictator? So, do you would you still want to be Nikolai Ceausescu, or do you, would or would you still want to be Gaddafi? Um, given that, you know, is it worth it? Those decades of you know your private harem and and so on. And um, yeah, any any personal thoughts on that? Well, well, I th- I think these systems, dictatorships, are um, potentially. Uh, very, very difficult to remove. I mean, we're seeing in Syria now the consequences of when you put somebody in a situation where they have no way to retreat from that situation, they, you force them. So, so in the uh, Bashar al-Assad, in, in his situation, you, you force them uh, into a situation where they have to hold on at all costs because they know what's, what the consequences of, of not being in power are, which are to be brutally murdered by your populace so and you know that to affect all of your families and supporters as well so those those systems i think are very um very difficult to to remove for that that reason um so that's my sort of you know only observation there but in terms of <coughs> would would we like to be a dictator i think I, I even though i've got some there's something to be said for the whole white suits and aviator specs you know C- central american uh <laughs> 1980s uh, kind of hunter style um, you know, of dictators. I mean, they are, they've got a certain panache about them. I think I would have to go for medieval king. That would be my favourite. I'd like to, give, like to be an enlightened um, medieval king, you know, but who nevertheless had absolute power and a divine right to rule. 
I think that would be that would be my model that I would go for. So very attractive about that. Yeah. But but if you if you look at um, a lot of historical stories about sort of I suppose that are Schadenfreude stories, you know, where the pharaohs in the Bible are are humbled by a small person, or in fact, I think Schadenfreude and the backing of underdogs appears a lot in biblical stories. You think about David and Goliath. Uh, you know this huge hulking chap versus this small man and one of the reasons I think we we like the underdog story and the removal of of a a strong uh, person is that it reinforces what it is to be human which is that these stories often involve somebody overcoming someone of greater physical stature by cunning and that's essentially what we are as a species we you know our, our unique selling point is 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 cunning uh, and you know, I mean, I think back to um, my own kind of uh, the characters I always um, sort of that always resonate with me, uh, and they are always characters which possess cunning, like Odysseus in in the Iliad. You know, I wasn't interested in Achilles or Ajax or Hector; these idiots who were, you know, just physically bound. supreme. It was the guy who, you know, breaks into the Thracians' camp and slaughters them all in, the sli- in their sleep, or devises the Trojan horse. That's that's the guy we all we all root for because he shows intellect and cunning, which is, you know, this this um, primary. That's true. Even if that person's bad, you can still respect them. Yeah. Well, the the, the baddies in Disney, like Tywin, Disney Tywin Lannister. Yeah, Tywin Lannister. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's uh, you know he's a, obviously a ruthless, uh, excellent operator, but he's just really uh, love lovable. You know, he's a kind of lovable, ruthless bastard. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the um, you know, Fraser, you you may know more about this than than me, but the the, the example, uh, the sporting example that comes to mind is the Diego Maradona. Uh, hand handball uh, goal, uh, and with your sort of um, Argentine connections, um, I, you know that was really sort of brought. You know, here you had uh, an ex-imperial power, England. For for those who don't know, this is a story about um, Diego Maradona scoring a goal with his hand in a football game against or a soccer game against uh, England, which in the, well, he, in the World Cup. not scoring a goal because uh, he if you score it with your hand, it's not a goal. Although well, it shouldn't be. He was given a goal. <laughs> it, it was allowed. Yes, was exactly. The referee, yes. the Tunisian referee, didn't see it. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, that was held up by the the um, the Argentines as a, a great example of I think it's viveza, uh, the um, the the concept of sort of the cunning of the the you know um, the Creole people. Yeah, uh, the, actually, the Italians have a similar thing, which is the furbo, which is the guy who you know who manages to beat the system. Yeah. And um, you know the the idea you, can, I mean, you kind of understand where that comes from with the, with the Italians with a history of corrupt governments. You know, being able to get one over on the system. Uh, fair play, you know that, that sort of. I think that that's something quite um, interesting about the Italian character. Um, yeah. Well, well sorry, sorry to interrupt, but actually, yeah, to sort of come back to what you were saying there, you're, you're, I think you described it very well of the Argentinian perception of it, and and actually, but it goes slightly more than that as well, which is their approach to football and who knows maybe life about gamesmanship, um, and they use that word in a very kind of positive manner, mm. which is doesn't matter what you do and all these little tricks and things you do to sort of to win the game that's the most important thing and so our friend uh, Andres Taxir um, I had a very long conversation with him about this quite heated actually 
and it sort of laid bare our different views on not just football but life which is my feeling was no look there are rules um and there's a, and there's a sort of an honor in playing by the rules and so so your guy maradona you know he broke the rules and that's about that sacrosanct and he did the worst thing possible whereas his view was no what are you, what are you talking about the main rule is to win the game by whatever means and, so. and this com- this comes back to the issue of uh status because our our sporting ethical structure was devised at the height of British imperial power you know all of those uh, those rules were laid down and the sanctity of those rules were established in that cultural framework and basically what you had there was an imperial power which liked rules because those rules were about keeping it in its imperial power uh, whereas those those cultures which were subject to that imperial power you know look at the uh, the american creation myth for example and the the revolutionary small guys you know uh, sort of banding together to throw off the imperial shackles well, it's why of... the brits are always baddies yes you know right. and I, so i mean the um and the interesting i mean obviously so this is the tragedy the concept of a tragedy of a kind of great person having a fatal flaw and and, and fought and being uh, you know sort of uh, brought down as a result which appears all the way through you know from, from greeks through to shakespeare through to the modern day um is the interesting thing actually about uh, again looking at the sort of neurophysiological side of it is that um you there needs to be in order to enjoy it that um properly the person who's being brought down needs to know uh, that this is why that they're being punished people don't feel satisfied when that person suffers a horrible fate but isn't made to realise that they're being punished for something. Um, you know, if they just die horribly, it's no fun. You want them to die horribly after being told you're about to die horribly for for, for being a scumbag. Mm. Um, we need. We're very close to being to need to. I, to actually, r- I have a way to bring here. it back to uh, to um, Michael Portillo. Yeah, go weirdly. on. Then. No, it's just what we're talking about. This thing about sort of isn't it fun to to sort of poke the the powerful in in the eye you know which is which is great and uh it, one of my favorite sayings actually in in um sort of british uh jurisprudence is this idea that be ye ever so high the law is above you you know that even the queen is still bound by the laws that we have um there's something very nice about that very humbling but it, but it, but then there's i i was reminded actually so my dad's school motto uh, which obviously was michael portillo's school as well um they went to harrow county school for boys which is not harrow it is a grammar school uh so it's not the famous harrow school uh with the with all the you know the, the, boaters. the boaters and 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 um as a kind of you know to sort of thumb their nose uh by saying we're the grammar school you're just a bunch of rich people their uh their um school motto was weirdest non stemmer which means worth not birth and i think i just think that's one of my favorite mottos uh, of all time well, I think that's a, a suitable note on which to, to conclude things. So, um, can we have that in Latin just again, Nick? Weirtus non stemma. And so, on that note, thank you for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Chris Rag. And until next week, thanks and goodbye. Mm-hmm.